Welcome to our one-year Bible weekly devotional based on February 22 through 28 readings in the one-year Bible. You can do it. Initial impressions. There's no denying it. Leviticus is hard. But just because something is hard doesn't mean you can't conquer it. Or at least in this case, just because Leviticus is hard doesn't mean you can't take something helpful from it. This really can happen. You really can, little by little, understand Leviticus better than you do now if you put in the effort to work at it. It's not easy to do something hard, but it's also not impossible. Hopefully this post can play a small part in getting you started on this path of success. This is not to suggest that after reading this or listening to it, you will fully understand everything in Leviticus. You still won't. But you can understand a little more, and then if you choose to put more time into studying it beyond what you hear here, you can understand even a little more still. It's ultimately up to you how much you choose to learn. You can do what many do and just give up. Or you can learn a little more with each new day, little by little. Yes, you can do it. The real question is, will you? Going deeper. This section will suggest to you a helpful framework for organizing your thoughts about the challenging book of Leviticus. To that end, if you haven't done so already, please listen, or maybe listen to again, The portion of last week's post dealing with Leviticus, it's in the Going Deeper section of the Nothing Compares One-Year Bible devotional posted, as mentioned, last week. In that section, Leviticus's ritual purification laws are discussed. In this week's Leviticus readings, though, two additional kinds of laws are presented. With these new kinds of laws in mind, one helpful way to think about Leviticus is that there are basically three primary categories of laws mentioned in it. One would be the purity and sacrificial system codes, which were discussed in last week's post. Category two would be moral and ethical codes. And category three would be culturally contingent codes. As mentioned last week, Category 1 laws involve how to purify ourselves in order to have our sins forgiven or in order to speak with a priest so he can effectively intercede with God on our behalf. Thank God that Jesus did this work of purification for us once and for all, though, so we are no longer obligated to participate in Category 1 practices. Of course, there still are a few Category 1 practices that we could still implement into our own faith life today if we wanted, so long as we do so knowing that Jesus has already purified us before God. Also, these practices promote a certain mentality toward God that is still every bit as relevant today as it was back then. Category 2 laws, the moral and ethical ones, are different, however. These teachings are just as rigidly binding today as they were when they were written, period. They concern how to treat other people within and beyond your community. This category includes Leviticus 18 remarks regarding how not to act like ungodly people in 18.3, regarding moral treatment of one's family in 18.10-16, and regarding adultery 
1820, just to name a few examples. Finally, Category 3 laws, the ones that are culturally contingent, pertain very specifically to the particular circumstances and limitations of the ancient Hebrew people at the time of Leviticus's writing. An example of this category of laws is Leviticus 14's discussion of ancient medical practices regarding contagious skin ailments. The Hebrew people would risk becoming extinct if they were not properly hygienic in the close quarters in which they lived at that time. Such extinction would certainly not have served God's purposes, as God was in the middle of progressively revealing God's self to this particular people so that one day all people may know God. So the wisdom in Leviticus was recorded, at least in part, in order to contribute to the flourishing of the greater Hebrew society, so that such a society would survive, so that God could reveal more and more of God's self to the people in that society so that from those people would one day come an invitation to get to know God for all societies. So, with that in mind, it is perhaps easier to see why so much time is spent in Leviticus detailing procedures to prevent infectious diseases, as well as many other things, from destroying the small, impoverished, desert-crossing society of God's chosen people. As mentioned, this is an example of Category 3 laws, which are extremely particular to the specific cultural conditions of the day. Just like with the Category 1 ritual purity laws, this cultural particularity does not mean that we should entirely ignore what laws falling into this category say, though. We should still read Category 3 laws with interest because we can grow in appreciation for all the ancient Hebrew people had to overcome in order to survive. They lived hard lives that did not have the modern conveniences and pampering we have today. Furthermore, if we read these kinds of culturally specific laws closely, we may notice how the cultural situations of some Category 3 laws actually correlate to a situation in our own society today that we may imagine to be similar in one respect or another. In those cases, we could actually read the Category 3 law as an ancient parable in which we can perhaps discern a certain truth or mentality that is still applicable in a comparable situation today. Who would have thought, right? Mm, probably God. Getting real. One of the most astonishing stories in all of Scripture is told in this week's Mark 9 reading. Beginning in Mark 9:14, Jesus encounters a man who asks for the healing of his son. The bumper sticker moment in this story comes when the man asks Jesus to heal the son, quote, if you can, end quote. To which Jesus replies, quote, Anything is possible if a person believes, end quote. However, what is often neglected is the very next and perhaps most crucial sentence in which the man says, quote, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief, end quote. What happens next? Jesus heals the son. Wow. 
These honest words by the man are both simple and profound. They articulate for us what sincere, real faith often is. There is almost always some doubt existing alongside such faith. Our faith, like ourselves in general, is imperfect. Indeed, we do not have flawless faith. Only Jesus does, as it says in Romans 3, 22-28. But the man's faith in the Mark 9 story, which included some imperfection of belief, was nevertheless enough. Jesus didn't say, No, I will not heal the boy because your belief also has a little unbelief. Come back to me when your faith is stronger. No. Rather, Jesus still healed the boy despite the man's imperfect faith. So, what's the point? You don't have to wait until you have perfect faith to come to Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be doubt-free. Don't let your imperfections, even including the imperfections of your faith itself, stop you from experiencing the presence of Jesus. You can do it.